This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing, is to give our attention to Jesus. Welcome, friends. Stacy here. I'm so happy to have this time with you today. I want to start today by reading one of my favorite passages from Isaiah. This is Isaiah 51, 1 through 3. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man, and I blessed him and made him many. Now, this is the part I want to highlight. This is verse 3. This is a promise. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. So yes, God, that's for you. And may it become increasingly true even today. I am really happy today to have in the studio with me Alan Arnold. Now, Alan, if you listen to the Wild at Heart podcast, you're familiar with him, but let me introduce him anyway. Alan is an acclaimed author, podcaster, and speaker who focuses on the fusion of God, story, and creativity. Alan knows story well. He previously started and led one of the world's largest Christian fiction division as the publisher of more than 500 novels. He is the author of Risk the Real, which we're going to be talking about today, The Eden Option, The Story of With, Chaos Can't, and Waves of Creativity. Yes, he's the co-host of the Wild at Heart podcast, and he's the executive producer of content here at Wild at Heart, and he has been for 12 years. But he's never been on the Captivated podcast, so welcome, Alan. Thank you, Stacey. I'm super excited to be on your podcast, and just sitting across from you, I'm expectant for the conversation today. Me too. Me too. I was teasing Alan, like, well, I don't want you to be nervous <laughs> sitting in front of a mic because this is home away from home, it this is. studio. This table's very familiar. Yeah, but it's really good to have you here with me. Thank you. So before we dive into the subject that I want to get to, this podcast is particularly devoted to encouraging people to know Jesus and perhaps in new ways and to dive more fully into his heart. So I'd like to know more about your story. So my first question is, when, how did you become a follower of Christ? Yeah, great question. When I was a boy, uh, we went to church. I lived in a small Texas town, and we would go to church every Sunday. But looking back at it, it was more um, of a of a outward experience, I would say. Mm-hmm. I was learning scripture. I was singing hymns. But there was no intimacy with God in that. I had no idea what that would even have been if you had asked me at the time. Yes. And so I was baptized when I was 12 and um, 
I loved God. I just didn't really know God. Mm-hmm. And at best, it was an hour of my week, Sunday morning. Yes. The whole process of Christianity. And so it really wasn't until after college that I started to know God and hunger for God in a deep personal way. Mm. So I, I was saved early. I mm-hmm. knew a, a lot about God, but I would say my real journey with God started when I was probably in my late 20s. And and that's led ultimately to you and John were a big part of that because when I read Sacred Romance, God almost fooled me. I thought it was a marriage book. <laughs> I was teaching a Sunday school class uh, of young marrieds, and I worked at the publisher that published that book. So I got a copy, put it on my shelf, and I was like, next time I teach the class, I'll just go through this book because it's a, a sacred marriage you know, type of thing. And didn't realize the romance was between us and God. And Mm -hmm. that took everything to a new level. And so long before I started working at Wild at Heart, my life was transformed by Wild at Heart. And that started the journey of, I want union with God. I want intimacy with Christ. And, And that was really the last half of my life, you know, so it's been two parts. Mm-hmm. That is wonderful. He snuck up on you. Big time. <laughs> Thankfully. Because <laughs> I was wondering, around that age, there's a lot of, of transition for most people. And I was wondering if there was a catalyst that made you hunger for more, or if it was simply that he went, oh, I know you want more. Well, it was twofold. It was it was th- what I was telling you about was sacred romance. But at the same time, leading up to that, I was a hard-driving, make-it-happen, independent guy who was really— and and I was in Christian publishing, Stacey, so the the, kind of the wildness of God. Like, I'm right there in the middle of publishing stories about God and life and creativity, and yet I was still trying to do it mostly in my own strength Mm -hmm. for God. Uh-huh. And I finally, thankfully, reached the end of myself ah. through a series of events where I could no longer push harder, do more. Um, it started to kind of implode. And that was the point where I realized there's there's got to be more. And simply knowing a lot of facts about God mm-hmm. and wanting to serve God isn't enough. Like, I, I have to be able to do life with God as a son. And so that started when I reached the end of myself, which was about the time that God got the sacred romance into my hands, was this beautiful sense of, wait a minute, if life is a romance with God, like, how have I missed this? Where has it been? And now what does that look like going forward? And so that was a huge rescue for me that was language and a way of life as a young boy, as a teenager, as a college student, right out of college, I just didn't even think was part of reality. Right. And it's the deepest reality, right? Yes. For those of you that don't know this book, what Alan is talking about is the book called The Sacred Romance. It's the first book that John wrote. He wrote it with his friend, Brent Curtis. 
And it really pulls back the curtain on the reality, the larger story, what's going on here, the beautiful invitation to know Jesus intimately, to know the Father, to know Holy Spirit. And it is um, right around the same time is what um, rocked my world and invited me Mm. deeper into this intimate relationship. That is everything. So I highly recommend it. We'll put we'll put lots of stuff in the show notes from today, but that's one of them. So, Alan, I know you love God and you moved from what what we all usually move from, knowing about him, knowing him, knowing he is holy and revered and deserves yes. our adoration to what you're using is the word with. This yes. intimate relationship of of with the union with God that we're invited to. So here's my next question, okay. and and I'm going to limit you to two. But if you want to say more than two, you can go ahead. What do you love? Just two things or eighteen. Do you love most <laughs> about him? Well, first, I love this question, and um, I always love talking about just aspects of Jesus. So the first thing I would say, and I'm going to quote a scripture verse uh, here as I talk about this, but I love knowing Jesus as creator. Mm. And this is another one of those mind-blowing things to me that I didn't hear a lot of growing up, that like God was the creator and Jesus, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and, and we kind of get to this part of Jesus in the New Testament you know, like as I was growing up, that was my experience of of scripture. But in Colossians, and I was just reading this this week, and this is Colossians 1, verse 15. It's one of my favorite passages. It says, Christ is the visible image mm. of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Mm. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities, and the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Stacy, like that is just such a powerful thought about our reality. Like Jesus. His story didn't begin in a manger. Right. Yeah. Right. He is the uncreated creator, and everything was created through him and for him. And John 1 talks about this as well, uh, and several places do. But I love getting to know Jesus as creator because that shows me just all the ways I can get to know him Like, for instance, I was just recently at the ocean. Well, I love the ocean, and I love that Jesus created the ocean, that he thought of ocean, (laughs) and then we get invited to be in it and experience it, and and it just broadens my love for him as I think about him as creating everything in this world, and not only creating it, but holding it all together. Oh, I love that. I've been enjoying the word crafted lately. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. How he That's crafted good. the oceans. He crafted the mountains. He crafted us. Yes. Yeah. I love that. With such intention and that he holds it all together now. 
And so, and that he does that with God, but it's, I think sometimes we miss that Jesus is creator. Right. Right. And, and so that's one. And the second is actually a word that you mentioned in the opening passage from Isaiah ah. when you were talking about how he's the rock. Yes. And lately I have loved this image of Jesus as this rock that is at the center of everything and how scripture is so clear that like we have to see life through who Jesus is and he's a stumbling stone. Mm. He is the um, immovable rock. He is our fortress. Like he is our strength, but we can't do life without him. Like he, I, I think he makes it impossible mm. to try to do life in our own strength. And so, you know, if we try to do it without him, well, there's, it's think of a road with this huge boulder in the middle. Like we can go off road and we can get tangled up in the weeds. And yes. We can go veer way off course yes. trying to do it in our own strength. Or we can embrace that he is the one who changes everything. And while the world may try to go its own way, it can never get around the centrality and reality of Jesus. And and that that's very comforting to me. That's so good. I'm thinking of he's the, the song, you know, the rock on which I stand. Yes. And yes. Yes. The foundation of everything. I love that. And there's a, those two images, you know, creator, which uh, I see him as like an artisan, you know, yes. who, like you said, handcrafting everything, but also he's the rock. There's a strength to that. Like, yes, he is in a world that tries to constantly do its own thing. He is the immovable um, forever center of everything. And that's so disruptive. To yes. a world that wants to ignore or write off or mm -hmm. revise who he is. Mm. And yet he's just, he, it's just himself and we have to deal with that. Yeah, that's so good. So as you talk, your passion comes out and I, I love that. And um, as well as your unique calling, and I would just love to hear more about that. You said you love the ocean. What are you, what's your driving force? What are you passionate about? I really am passionate about um, how God and story come together because like the, you know, the Bible, if it's simply a book of rules and um, a to-do list and get your act together, then um, man, you know, okay. But that's, that does not bring a lot of joy. It brings a lot of pressure mm -hmm. like, okay, I know everything I've got to do and I better get my act together quickly, but that's not what it is. And God shows us who he is through story, the story of our lives, the story, you know, if we want to know why we are the way we are, well, if we go back, mm -hmm. then we'll understand, oh, because my mom and dad did this or, or raised me this way. And then we can go back further. Well, their mom or dad, and mm -hmm. we keep going back and back and back, and we can go all the way back to Eden and go, how did our story begin? And now I understand more about not only who I am, but who God is, 
the way life was created to be. And so my passion is anytime I can spend time with people, I want to know their story. Mm. I love working with writers and, and creators of all kind to help them tell better stories, um, the kind of stories that have an eternal spark. Mm. Because we, we live in a world now where most of the stories that the, the media companies, entertainment companies put out today are pretty hopeless. Yeah, they are. They the, are. They're they're like shades of gray throughout the whole thing where, you know, we were watching, my wife and I, Kelly, were trying to watch a series recently and like every character is so flawed, which, okay. Mm-hmm. And we had heard so many good things and we got two, three episodes in and we're like, there's literally no one to root for uh, because yes, yeah. everybody, like- you, to have a good story, there has to be a character arc. And so, yeah, characters start flawed, but there's some ideally hero protagonist some moving toward message. Right. There should be hope or a better life, not just making life work through your own ego or selfishness or yeah. desires. Yeah. And, and Stacey, I think that's the problem with most stories today is we, we see those and it's more Ecclesiastes stories dressed yes. up in modern oh my goodness. terms. And and so my passion is how do we invite people back to Eden stories, the story before the fall, the story where it began, which is we have a father who created us, loves us, and is inviting us to intimacy with him in wild adventure and beauty and in just beyond our biggest dreams. That was how our story began. Yes. But the enemy wants to tell us. No, the story is this is life, Ecclesiastes life. Not much hope. It's all vanity. In the end, it all goes away. And so now we are seeing that in popular entertainment. And I I just, my heart can't go there. I just quickly turn off shows or stop reading novels that I realize if that's the author's highest view of reality, Mm -hmm. I'm out because there's such a better story. Yes, a true story. Yes. So, Alan, um, you do this beautifully in your newest book, which is what I want to be talking about. I'm going to shift to that. Okay. Um, Alan has just published the book, Risk the Real, How to Defy the Rise of the Artificial. So Alan writes in it that every aspect of life is being invaded by the artificial, But we miss what's at stake when we assume it's inevitable, natural, or even neutral. It actually began in Eden when the serpent offered Adam and Eve a counterfeit reality based on the tree of knowledge and the promise to become like gods. These ancient roots entangle us in more ways than we realize. We seek to redefine reality and our image. We look to the unreal to make us more real. Nothing phases or amazes us anymore. We stumble through life in a partificial daze, partially present and fully disoriented by an artificial haze of anxiety, exhaustion, and addiction. What's really needed is reality reorientation. Risk the Real, a little bit more, reveals how everyone has a North Star. Everything has roots, and no one can remain neutral in the clash of competing realities. This book is a bold manifesto to wake from our slumber, pursue the real, 
defy the artificial, and risk well for what matters most. So good. So Alan, I, w- I want to just begin by asking you about the word you made up, partificial, the partificial days. Yes. What do you mean, partificial? Well, first of all, I, it's kind of a fun phrase, right? It like is. It's, I like I it. I mean, but I came up with it because I needed to put a name to this phenomenon that I was seeing everywhere, including in myself, which is even at times you would think people would be fully focused. Like, let's say Kelly and I went to dinner with another couple uh-huh. and there's no distractions. Yes. You know, we're at a restaurant, it, it's a great setting, but everybody, including the waiter, uh-huh. including you know, um, the people working there, the, the other couple, we're like all partially present because we're thinking distracted by so many things. The The hardness of life has numbed us yeah, and our minds are racing if our phones are nearby, you know, and anybody takes a break from the conversation or gets up to go to the restroom, everybody grabs their screen. Yes. Even though there's nothing urgent going on. Right. Like there, right. nobody's waiting on this message from a doctor or, you know, it's it's just how we have come to live, which is we are at best partially present to the moment at hand because we're trying to be a little bit everywhere. And so we're actually nowhere fully. Yeah. And so I came up with this phrase because I was like, what's going on? And and even people who are deep and who love you seem like they can't stay in a thought or a conversation for more than about two, three minutes. It's true. I think they've even done scientific studies on it. Yeah. Are you seeing that too? Oh. Oh, all over the place. And I'm also recognizing it in myself, which... Um, I just we just started the practice, John and I, of turning off our phones for for a Sabbath, Saturday evening to Sunday evening. Mm. Oh my goodness, that is uncomfortable. That was really uncomfortable. Yes. I didn't actually make it the full twenty four hours the first day. I made it twenty two. Like okay, <laughs> I got twenty two because because of that um, mm. distraction. Yeah. So is that what led you to write the book, or? It was the, that and one other thing. It was noticing that and then aligned at the same time with, I found myself bristling every time artificial things were getting more traction mm. in my life or in the world and, and in the name of efficiency and oh. in the name of progress. Um, it felt like we were trying as a culture to be ushered more and more faster and faster into the artificial. And and by the artificial, you know, what I mean is yes, AI, yes, chat GPT. Those are kind of the the current things. Mm-hmm. Apple just released uh what they call Vision Pro, which are the goggles. <gasps> and I saw I was, a picture of some a, yeah. a guy on it. He's he's in a public transport, but he has on, he's gone. You right. Know? Yeah. And Apple refers to that as mixed reality. <gasps> so it's, you know, in theory, a combination of, yeah, it's real life, but it's also virtual reality. And so you can live in the best of both worlds. 
you know, but but like in one of the examples on this interview was there was a man in a self-driving car with the goggles on. No. And he's his fingers are moving because he sees a virtual keyboard. And so his hands aren't on the steering wheel. And yeah, it's a self-driving car, but you're supposed to be present in the vehicle. And he's lost in some other reality. And I'm like, have we all lost our minds? Like, this future feels just incredibly bizarre. But more than that, it feels like we are losing parts of ourselves. Oh, our souls. Yes. Yes. So that was coming and stirring in me, that that just sense of, no, I refuse to give the artificial more ground. And I believe that is a big reason we're so anxious and so distracted and so addicted and and so partially present. So it was like God was bringing these two thoughts together. Mm-hmm. And Stacey, then it was um, a kind of a big aha moment for me was, well, what is, what do I mean by the artificial? What What is the artificial? Because if it's just technology and AI, well, we can try to do things like- You can like, try to manage that. Yeah, right. We can try to get on top of it. Like you were saying, like, it's great to to have Sabbaths and not use our phone certain time periods. Or like at a dinner to leave you turn your them phone. Off. Leave it yeah. in the car. Leave it in the car. That's great. We should do that. And we will um, limit the amount of freedom we can have with the artificial if we think that's it. Uh-huh. Like the enemy would love for us to go, well, okay, take care of that, and now you're good. But in the book, I go into how the artificial is actually – a lot more. The roots do go deeper than that. They do go all the way back, I believe, to Eden. And how I describe the, I'm just going to give you a definition I have in the book of the artificial. Um, The artificial, I believe, is anything that seeks to replace God's view of reality by opposing him or making him irrelevant. Wait, 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 wait. One more time, because there's a lot there. Do that again. Okay. The artificial is anything that seeks to replace God's view of reality by opposing him or making him irrelevant. That is so good. Oh, my goodness. And you know how we were talking about in story, well, the best way to understand your story is to go back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. Well, if we do this with the artificial, it's so eye-opening because to me it's, it's a new way to see it to say, Okay, the serpent in Eden, the very first attack on Adam and Eve or humanity was selling them a counterfeit or artificial narrative. Yes. That's the artif- that's where the artificial began. The roots of the artificial aren't with uh, some tech company in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot there. But the roots go all the way back to what if the enemy from the very beginning wanted an attack on reality, what would be the best way? And the best way is to offer an artificial false counterfeit narrative that would enslave us and numb us and and remove us from God at the epicenter of our lives from the very beginning. Well, now we can trace the thread of the artificial in our lives in a whole new way. Yes. 
that is brilliant because I'm just going in my head like all the ways that the enemy is a liar and how we twist the truth and how important it is to be rooted in truth and right. in reality. Right. So tell me more about um, what is the danger of being partially present? Well, I think the danger, the biggest danger of being partially present is then you're actually present to nothing because ah. it's it's the whole lie of multitasking and we can actually be super efficient. We can live a really balanced life if we can just kind of have a thousand plates spinning all at once, then that is success. And it's that's, I would say, not success. Like the goal isn't a balanced life. The goal oh. is let's live imbalanced for what matters most. And, and so when we're trying to be partially present to do more, we're actually becoming less. Like it's, it's just a truth of life. And we think we're getting more done but we are, we're becoming less and our kids can sense that in us. Oh. You know, it, it breaks my heart. I, and I used to be this guy. Um, so I'm not saying this judgmentally, but it breaks my heart when I see parents of young kids who the kids are trying to get their attention and the parents kind of giving them a little attention uh -huh. on the playground or, yes. or at the kitchen table, but they're as distracted as their kids or anybody else because they're staring at the screen trying to pretend to be engaged, but there's this lure of, I, I, I don't want to miss out on this, but I need to be present here and I need to answer this email or while I'm on the phone call with my daughter, I can actually get online and I can get a few things bought on Amazon or I can, like we're, we're just nowhere fully anymore. Mm. And, and the biggest gift we can give, I think, to others and to God is to be fully present, yeah. to be able to shut the rest of the world down. And that's why it's not just about technology. It's about what we're giving our heart to. So like you could, you could be Amish and have no iPhone or no real technology, and you could still be addicted to the artificial if the artificial is trying to make life work in any way outside of God, or if it's giving your heart to anything but God. So people were having this problem in the 12th century and in the 5th right. century. Oh, right. This right? isn't new because right. the enemy is ancient. Right. Um, I, I took a counseling program a while back, and one of the key takeaways to me from it was that the greatest gift— you can give anyone. It's not the answers. It's not, it's your attention. Yes. Which is why this podcast I say at the beginning, the most important thing is to give your attention to God. And it isn't undistracted. The gift of giving someone your undistracted attention is, is a beautiful thing and a rare thing. But Alan, I want you to speak just a little bit to the person who is going right now. I don't want to face reality. If I face reality, I'm going to be buried. Yeah. Well, I think I would say I hear you, and I feel that way sometimes. But the bigger question is, if you want to live life to the full, 
you have to embrace reality as God made it to be. As God made it to not be. Not as we want it to be. Yes. And I think a lot of people, see, the trap is, to me, a lot of people don't like their current situation. Uh-huh. They're overwhelmed. They're stressed. They feel unseen, uh-huh. unwanted. Life is too much. But instead of saying, but wait a minute, how did God create me and yes. create reality? And how can I align with that more fully? They say, then I want to recreate reality in my own image or mm. for my own good. And it's right back to the tree of life mm. or the tree of knowledge. That, like mm. the roots are so ancient in this, Stacey. And, mm. and so, yeah, I think it begins with saying, God, as the creator of reality, and as my creator and father, you have made me for life and intimacy. So now how do I look at every part of my life and get rid of the artificial? And in the book, the real, the way I define it is the true way to view life based on God's original intent for us and this world. The more we pursue him, the more we align with reality. And the more we rebel against him, the less we reflect reality. In other words, we become less real, more unreal. Wow. Not that we're imaginary, but we become less real. And that the further we untether from the creator, then the more we gravitate to the false narrative and story that we can become like God's. We can create our own reality. We can do life on our own. We can make life work. If we just try hard enough, we can come up with the combination. Maybe it's the extra couple of glasses of wine at night. Maybe it's binging on, you know, Netflix series um, that just take us out of reality. The daydreaming that can take over. Fantasy, daydreaming. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so in technology, while the artificial has always been around, now in these, what I think is kind of the end of this part of history, like, you know, the end of the age as we're kind of nearing that and the enemy is ramping up his rage and attacks on us. I think there are these new ways where we can unplug and and live in mostly the artificial through the goggles, through our screens, through the technology that tries to keep us entertained and numbed. numbed. Yes. Numbed. Yes. yes. And so then the goal of life is, it's just really hard. I just need a little pleasure. I need a little relief. I need numbing. And we've got more options for that than anybody in any time period that's ever lived because of these new technologies. But if we say instead, no, I'm not anti-technology. I am just 100% in for God's reality. Yes. So how does that look as a parent? How does that look as a husband or wife? Or how does that look as somebody who's engaged in trying to make the world a place where the kingdom of God is coming alive? And, And it doesn't look like creating that on virtual reality, or it doesn't look like taking our cues from the entertainment industry of, no, actually, life is just really hard and messy. And at best, you just numb yourself and get by. Like those are the those are the stories that we're being told today right. is, that we're supposed to embrace. Mm-hmm. You guys, you can hear there is so much in this book that that 
drives to the intention of God, to the life, to the reality of his story and what we're living, that we're loved, that he's good, that we can plug in. And um, it's written in a really creative way as well. Like, is there, what motivated you to do it? And it's kind of, it's kind of bite-sized pieces. It is. It's each chapter. Well, the whole book first is the format is six by six. So it's I love it. a square book. It's not the normal, you know, paperback book or hardcover book size. And then the chapters are two, three pages in length. There's a lot of white space between each chapter. There are pages with just simple quotes from C.S. Lewis and Madeline LaEngle and um, these great thinkers um, who saw God in his full reality, and we're trying to help us do that mm. over time. But the the purpose is we do live in a part official mm. days. We do live distracted. We go, you know, to to the evenings. Our minds are tired. We're we've had a long day, and so I wanted to be able to give people something that said, "Take this journey, but take it a few pages." at a time in a kind way, these aren't 25 page chapters, right. you know, that, that you're reading for a week and you forget what you read the night before. Right. Um, and, and, you know, even because the whole concept is what is real, what is artificial? And, and then the title risk the real, once we understand what's actually at play, well, now how do we risk well for what matters mm. most? Because mm-hmm. Like it or not, we risk every day. Yeah. Like risk is a part of our reality. It's a part of the reality that God made. Uh-huh. There was risk in Eden. Which tree are you going yeah. to choose? Yes. God trusts us with risk. Where we go wrong is we start risking for things that take us away from the story we were created for. And we think we're we're, you know, playing it safe, or we think we're, you know, padding our bets by trying to kind of play things both ways. And ultimately the best risk is to be all in with God. Amen. That is so good. Embroider that on a pillow, paint that on a wall. That's it's so good. His reality, his love, his intention, his attention, that's life. And the invitation is life, real life. And we never get more life by trying to look to the artificial. Like the artificial can never make us more alive. It can never make us more real. It only makes us more like itself, which is more unreal. Uh-huh. And so we have to just have our eyes open, Stacy. I think, to if God made me for a rich reality of, of beauty and of adventure and of opportunity and of intimacy, then I want to get rid of every distraction from that. That doesn't make life easy. Life is hard. But let's at least go through the hard for something that's real and that matters yes. instead of numbing the hard with the artificial, anything other than God. Mm, that's so good. I, I want to encourage you listening right now that um, this is not an all or nothing deal. This is a journey, and I love the sentence, progress, not perfection. Mm-hmm. So I, I also love that the book is written like that because it's it's encouragement. It's not a to-do, but it's an invitation, and, and we grow in it. 
Right. Um, to close our time together, because I want we could talk like for three more hours about this, obviously. And um, so get the book. And um, I'm just wondering, Alan, our friends that are listening are in all kinds of different places. Yeah, maybe they're soaring, maybe they're in pain. Maybe um, their reality is something that they want to run from because it's really intense right now. And maybe they don't know how to do it with God. Yes. Yes. Um, would you pray? Would I'd you love just to. pray for them? Yes. Thank you. Father, we just give you our current reality right now. And we know that you see the hard mm. and the seemingly impossible. And the fact that um, many days we can feel totally unseen or unappreciated or unwanted unimportant to any kind of larger story. Maybe we haven't heard your voice in a long, long time, maybe ever, but I just pray right now, Father, for every listener that you would give them a taste right now today of the reality that you created them for, which may be radically different than where they find themselves right now. God, but that you would come into that reality and invite them deeper into the life you have for them. Let them know you do see them. They are loved. They are wanted. And they were created for such a time as this. And God, just I pray your kindness and gentleness over each listener, wherever they are. Take their hand and just help them to the next step, just to see what's possible, just to see more of the reality that you've created them for and who you created them to be. No pressure, no stress, no striving, just your love and just your invitation into the real. God, we love you and we're expectant. Mm for what you have for our stories. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Alan, thank you. So good. I feel the intention and invitation of God myself. I pray you do too, friends. Pray blessing over you this day, this week, your life. Until next time. Hi everyone, this is Stacy Burton, the producer of the Captivated Podcast. If you've been a regular listener, you've heard the encouraging teachings offered and the incredible conversations Stacy has had with her guests. So wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. May you be filled with the goodness of his love today, and we look forward to having you join us next time. Mm-hmm.